0: Hey, Coonanai Pirangi Irirangi, O Aotearoa.
1: Yeah, my name's William Beetham. Um, I'm uh, a farmer in the Upper, just 15 minutes east of Masterton. Uh, we run a sheep and beef farming business on hill country with some uh, some sort of flattish land. Um, summer, summer dry. Summer
0: dry says it all. Farms like these have to deal with scarce water supplies at times, but at the same time look after the quality and quantity of the water they do have. And along with the challenges of climate change, they'll have to deal with new proposals to stop the water in streams and rivers degrading.
1: Ideal for sheep and beef hill country farming.
0: So look, has your family been on this land for a long time?
1: So we're, um, you know, I'm very lucky I'm... Um, sixth generation, uh, our family first settled in the Wanaru Valley on this um, on this land, in, um, in the 18, uh, late 1850s, early 1860s, uh, and yeah, we've been sheep and beef farming here uh, in the Wanaru and Wanaru Valley for, since since then. So over 160 years now.
0: I'm Philip Atolli, and in this insight, we look into the government's fresh water plans to both stop freshwater quality getting any worse and to turn back the clock on years of neglect and the reaction from many farmers who fear their livelihoods could be at
2: stake.
1: Right, um, these are only little followers, so they won't cause you a hazard. <laughs>
0: Am I, am I looking nervous?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Just making sure. Just watch out for the electric fences, though, too. Uh,
0: thank you for that. I am prone to leaning on those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These boys are all hand so You can't leave a gate open there or anything, anywhere, uh, or they'll... They'll be following you. They'll go straight out, yeah. Yeah, so we're basically standing in the middle of um, uh, our family property. This is Highcliffs, Um and uh, we're just sort of looking out um, around the Wanurru River, which is our main waterway that runs through um, uh, runs through our farm here, Highcliffs, and um, also our other farm, Bransmith. Uh, the water distributes off that um, and goes into the Wanurru River as well. So that's um, our main concern is uh, is the water quality in the Wanurru River. What's it like? It's good. It's good. So we've got, um, as part of our catchment community, uh, which is all the members including um, forestry and lifestyle owners, we have a catchment community here and we've been monitoring the river water quality for I think three years, close to three years now. Um, we're getting relatively good results, so we've identified that we have no nitrogen issues here, um, but we have um, a sediment issue in the, in the waterway and um, we also have, um, with that comes a bit of a phosphate issue. So Our biggest way of improving our water quality and and, and effectively our in-stream health, our macro-invertebrate index, is to actually remove the old crack willows that are growing that have um, self-seeded in the waterway to allow the water um, to flow through the river.
0: At the last general election, the state of our waterways was one of the top worries for voters, both in cities and rural communities. After Labour formed the new government, it started a reform programme, Essential Fresh Water, stating it now had a duty to improve the quality of our rivers and pledging that it would not keep kicking the can down the road and leave the hard issues for future generations. The programme resulted in proposals for an updated national policy statement and more immediate national environmental standards and stock exclusion regulations. William Beetham is the Wairarapa President for Federated Farmers. And he has long-term plans to work on his farm and with neighbours in his catchment to improve the quality of the water in the wainui Oru River that runs through his property. But he struggles to see the benefit in a number of the new proposals and says even knowing what qualifies as a waterway is far from clear.
1: Is a waterway something that only runs a few months of the year, six months of the year, nine months of the year, all year round? Um, we, we don't really know and understand.
0: And what about the difference between a flat paddock and, and a hill? Are there different uh, um, rules and regulations that apply according to the slope?
1: Yeah, there are different rules and regulations, but as you can see here, you've got many areas of... Uh, of our hills which have um, have small streams or small drains running through them. I and mean, when we're
0: just walking past here or driving past something here, you've got the lovely hills that seem to have a sort of a, a drain or a, a creek which presumably if it was it might drain down there when it was very wet?
1: Yeah absolutely so um, would we have to fence you know half that area, three quarters of that area. Um, there are specific ways that it's defined but uh, you know, our, each one of our paddocks varies greatly, and uh, the the water that runs through it, um, you know, can be from a very steep slope to almost flat ground, and then to steep slope again, which is very almost impossible for us to fence. And also, I really question as whether if we'd get any environmental benefit from fencing it.
0: While many of the new plans are long term, some are intended to introduce preventative action almost immediately. For example, it's planned that from June this year, intensification such as converting a farm to dairy, new irrigation or more vegetable growing would only be allowed if it could be proved there will be no increase in pollution. New fencing requirements will be brought in to keep cattle, deer and pigs from waterways and fences will have to be set back further from the water. All wetlands will also need to be fenced off. Winter grazing, feedlots and stockholding areas all of which involve keeping a lot of animals in a small area will be more tightly regulated. Excessive nitrogen use will be controlled, and all farms will need environment plans. As we look down on the Wainui Oru River from a hill higher up, I asked William Beetham how he would be affected if proposals went ahead as they are at present.
1: This fence that we 're leaning on right now it would um, be about three meters say from the uh, from the edge of the river um, and so this stretches for probably about a k and a half around the corner there at one stage it goes right up around the top of a hill and then goes back down to the river again. so um, we would have to move uh, this fence here you know it'd probably cost us twenty thousand dollars to move this fence um, uh, to about five meters, um, so we 'd have to move it about two meters out, and it wouldn 't really create any benefit for the river.
0: And this, by the look of it, is, is quite a new fence.
1: Yeah, so this is a project that um, we've been really looking forward to and wanting to invest in for a long time. So this is a project where we've um, fenced off the rest of the Wanuru River. Um, there's oh, Ks of fencing involved here. Uh, we've planted tens of thousands of trees. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really exciting.
0: And the overall impact?
1: Listen, I think if we applied the essential freshwater proposals to this farm right now, we would be out of farming because it would just be not only too costly, it would be completely impractical
0: how, you're talking about the cost of putting the fences in but what, you'd be chopping up your land into smaller and smaller parts because of the fencing why would you have to exit farming?
1: Well because we would be cutting, cutting paddocks in half, we would have to look to provide more stock water, we would be looking to identify wetlands and having to take them out of our cattle regime which would um, and when I say wetlands these are just small little rush areas that we would take all, out of all of our farms so we would lose a large amount of grazing area it would cut paddocks down it would completely change all of our systems But the thing that would concern me the most is that it wouldn't actually give us any better environmental outcomes and it would take us away from investing in our project in terms of improving the water quality in our river.
0: He suggests they'll be required to undertake a whole new level of farm planning and employ consultants to peer review the work. He thinks a new costly industry would grow out of the changes wasting money and adding nothing to the value of the farm operation. But are these scenarios realistic or just scaremongering. William Beethan's response is absolutely realistic.
1: I was on the phone yesterday with a farmer who is trying to do um, a development that's going to have really good outcomes on his farm, Rama, which is easter here, and um, he's had all the wetlands identify in the areas that he's working, and that's exactly what they've said. Every little rushy area is a wetland, and it's a non-complying activity to do any work in that area, and under the essential freshwater, you would have to fence that off as a wetland. So that's not scaremongering, it's actually happening to some farmers right now under different rules and regulations.
0: So should these farms look to change the way the land is used? For this farm, the obvious option is forestry, but he says that would ruin local communities in the long term. Trees take a long time to grow and need a lot less intervention, and would result in population decline and the loss of rural services and jobs. And he argues less protection for the environment.
1: I mean, I've, I've, I've seen where sheep and beef farmers have been asked to fence off wetlands and then a forestry company comes in and buys the farm and plants pine trees right through the wetlands. Um, you know, well, I could say that's double standards. But um, the, the, what is the best land use for our hill country in New Zealand? Well... We're standing in a space right now which is creating significant economic benefit to the upper and to New Zealand through producing wonderful, you know, high-value, high-quality food. And we've got biodiversity all around us. We've got a healthy waterway. We've got native bush. We've got erosion control plantings. Um, to me, it's almost like a euphoria of food production and land use. And we can do even better, and we are doing even better. So why would we go away from that?
0: While many farmers have been working for years to run their farms in a sustainable way, there are still those who flout the rules with little care for the impact on fresh water. William Beetham believes there is a need for regulation.
1: We do need some minimum standards. We do need to have some set regulations. And if people don't want to be involved in their community groups, I think they should sit, sit outside and, and, and be required to operate under those regulations.
3: Kia ora tatou, my name is... Marnie Prickett, I'm a freshwater campaigner running a campaign um, now for several years called Choose Clean Water um, and I've also been part of the government's freshwater um, leaders group, one of the advisory teams.
0: As one of those who contributed to the proposals to improve freshwater quality, Marnie Prickett is well versed on what the plans are and the timeframes involved.
3: So, what's flowed out of um, out of that process of, of policy development that's been happening over the last year um, has been uh, two parts of a freshwater policy. One is called the National Policy Statement for Freshwater Management and the other is National Environment Standards. They've got two different functions. The National Policy Statement is about setting long-term goals um, that are specific to a region, so that's about planning for the future. The National Environment Standard, on the other hand, is about stopping the worst of the pollution in the short term.
0: Those long-term plans cover aspects such as planning processes, regional council monitoring and action plans, and time frames to achieve better results. Near the end of last year, written submissions closed a few months after the proposals were announced. 17,000 were sent in and are now being worked through by a special panel. But before that October deadline, the plans were discussed at consultation meetings around the country, After listening to a great deal of the debate, Marnie Prickett says the provision that caused the most discussion was the nitrogen bottom line.
3: People were concerned that that would be very difficult to meet in some regions that is going to be a challenge. Where there is massive nitrogen contamination in regions like Canterbury, there is going to need to be work at that over time. In other parts of the country, in, in fact in 90% of the, the, the country, where people are already operating below that bottom line, um, i.e. they're better than the bottom line, uh, in those places there might be objective set for other measurements like sediment, sediments, obviously the dirt that, that gets into waterways and that can destroy, you know, pollute those waterways. Um, but we know nitrogen is a problem, particularly for the dairy industry, and it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, the rest of the public shouldn't have to wear the issues that come with uh, nitrogen contamination like poor drinking water um, and dead rivers.
0: I'm Philippa Tolly, and you're listening to an RNZ Insight program on the latest plans for fresh water and fears for the future in the farming community. The new water provisions increase the role played by iwi in any plans for local waters. In Wairarapa, Rangitane shares the role of mana whenua with Nati Kahnunu. as a resource management act advisor for Rangitane, Horopu Remene has been involved in applications to do with water for years and he paints a grim picture of the health of the waterways in his rohe. He can't talk about any river in isolation. For his iwi, they're all interconnected.
4: To us, the waterways are the bloodlines of papa If you pollute it, you pollute the papatūnika. It's just like when you put something into your body, and you pollute your body, you know, you upset your stomach. That's how we see our waterways. But our waterways are so so polluted, there's no water in them these days, everything's changed. It is really bad at the moment, so we need to change.
0: He says water quality changes as soon as you get into farming or horticultural areas or townships. He's said that the voice and recommendations from Marudim about the overall well-being of waterways have been ignored for years in favour of a Western perspective based on lists of specific facts and figures written into various reports over many years.
4: You've got to have numbers. You've got to have that little box where you work on that little thing. Where a Maori world, it's a world. It's a whole world. Because everything impacts on one another. So that's the rocks and everything, all impact in some way on the environment. So when you get your little boxes, like you get council regional cancer, whatever, they have little boxes. So you watch in that little box, you don't go outside that box. I sat with my father and a few other old ones. They didn't talk about little boxes. They talked about the whole system.
0: Horopo Rimene fears those in charge across local government and ministries are set in their ways, and he thinks they need to be got rid of to allow a new generation to take charge. While he hears a lot of talk about a new approach and greater acknowledgement of kaitiakitanga or guardianship, there's much less actual doing.
4: I know the farming industry are doing their best, but there are still some that want more stock on the, on the property. I think it's going to help where we well were. Uh, how are they can help anyone in what days about money. Everything comes down to money.
0: Worries about the future and the local economy are high on the agenda for local government in the North Island town of Tokoroa. The mayor of the South Waikato district, Jenny Shattock, is fearful about her area dotted with small regional towns and bordered in part by the mighty Waikato River, will cope if many of the freshwater proposals emerge through the submissions process unchanged. Sitting outside the council office just off Tokoroa's main drag, she sets out why she thinks that these plans would hit her district hard.
2: So the South Waikato district is a small rural district. Um, we've got approximately 23,000 people here. We have approximately 88,000 hectares of forestry. We've got 525 farms in the district. We've got an aging population. We have unemployment approximately 9% compared with 4.3% nationally. We have agriculture and forestry particularly. They employ about 23% of our population. And if you compare that to the national, nationally, which is only 5.8. So and so they are going to have a significant impact on our community and as much as I don't want to say it because we are seeing some growth in our district which is really exciting and we are addressing that as a council our district is actually a deprived area so our story is is particularly tough
0: Jenny Shattuck would have liked the opportunity to have hearings and make verbal submissions. For her, everything is happening too fast. The time frames are too short and environmental well-being is being put ahead of the other obligations of council, economic, social and cultural well-being. What she wants is more time.
2: If nothing changes and those proposals came in, it would have a significant effect on our community. It's been bandied around 300 job losses, and that is significant to our community.
0: But local government is itself under fire over how it has or hasn't enforced rules and regulations designed to preserve or improve water quality. Guy Salmon is the executive director of Ecologic, a non-profit foundation that promotes sustainable development. And he thinks councils have often struggled to follow policy, Without alienating their ratepayers,
5: I think the political incentives facing regional councils are um, qu- are quite difficult for the councillors. So you have quite a vocal agriculture sector with a very clear idea as to what it wants to hold its councillors accountable for, which is facilitating uh, growth in farming intensity and rising land prices. And on the other hand, you have an electorate which is um, not terrifically engaged but is sort of vaguely concerned that, um, you know, swimming holes are becoming unusable and uh, water quality is degrading. Um, So the incentives on the council is really uh, to say, look, we're doing our best and here are our good-sounding objectives, um, while at the same time, Uh, really doing nothing which is going to arouse any opposition from the farming side of their electorates.
0: Guy Salmon gives councils credit for recently improving their enforcement records and he thinks there are difficulties in accurately measuring the nitrate from each individual farm, which is why he too supports holding the whole catchment to account. But he does think some farms will have to bite the bullet and change.
5: We really need to look at um, land use change promotion in those areas which are not able to meet the standards. And that's got to be something which is tailored to the sub-catchment, which has full participation of the farmers in the catchment, and which has some government funding behind it, and which has some clear, measurable objectives behind it. And finally, and perhaps quite importantly, has some specialist advice. So if you're a dairy farmer and you know that continuing with dairy farming is not going to enable you to meet the standard uh, for your catchment, then you need to have a bit of advice as to what other kind of things could you do with that land. Is it suitable for growing apples or, or for um, kiwi fruit, or hemp growing? And he sees
0: particular problems for sheep and beef farmers.
5: For a great many of them, you look at a sheep and beef farm and what you typically find is that a proportion of it is rather not well suited for sheep and beef farming. It's got very poor soil. It has to be sprayed, or parts of the farm have to be sprayed repeatedly to keep, keep it in grass. You could map those farms, and some of them would have areas that would be the overall farm profitability would be improved if you put a part of the farm into forestry. And I think there's a huge potential for doing that across a lot of this country. There'll still be a few farmers. It's not going to be viable to carry on with the sheep and beef farm. But I don't know that that's quite so tough as it is being laid off from a job uh, as an agricultural processing work- worker. Because if a farmer finds that they can't continue, they can sell a- an asset which is worth millions of dollars and take that little uh, uh, pot of money and invest in something else.
0: But National's agriculture spokesperson Todd Muller is not buying into the idea that some farmers will have to give up farming on their land. He thinks things were already on the right track under a national government with nationwide reporting on the state of waterways. But the latest plans are too rushed and have not been drawn up in a way that engages rural communities, leaving farmers under stress.
6: They've got pressures with respect to emissions, agricultural emissions, uh, and there's very little sense from the rural sector of what the cumulative cost and impact of all of this is going to be.
0: He acknowledges that for years New Zealanders took their water resource for granted, and he's a story of his own from decades past.
6: I can think back to uh, when I was a little boy and we uh, we were share milking on a on a dairy farm just uh, south of Auckland and we had a brand new dairy shed and it was celebrated because it was close to the creek because that's where you got your water for the wash down and of course uh, uh, it got washed straight into the creek and fed the eels and that was very much the philosophy, if you like, back 30, 40 years ago.
0: But National's Todd Muller says when people see examples of poor practice either in farming areas or in towns and cities, they assume it's the same for all farmers or in all urban streams, when in fact, it's not the case.
6: What I would have hoped from the government is rather than framing up fresh water as everywhere going uh, to hell in a handbasket, that they were honest with New Zealand and say, you know what, there's been a huge amount of effort over the last 10 years, particularly in rural New Zealand, to make a difference. Uh, Has it got to where we want to? No. Absolutely more improvement needs to uh, happen and here's where we think the opportunities for improvement are.
0: The Minister for the Environment, David Parker, has no qualms about taking assertive action to prevent further degradation.
7: I think it's one of the big two environmental issues, the other being climate change, uh, something that we most clearly campaigned on, so did other political parties, and everyone agreed that the intensification of agriculture in some places had placed too much pressure on our waterways and we needed to clean them up to swimmable standards.
0: And he pushes back against suggestions that the plans take an inappropriate blanket approach to a country that is extremely varied geographically.
7: Well, those who say that this is a one-size-fits-all are wrong Uh, uh, and those farmers who are already at the peak of performance I don't think they're going to find this onerous because there are some really good farmers that are already doing these things well. It is also true that there are some laggards uh, and I think even the industry accepts that those laggards have to effectively be required to catch up.
0: And the details farmers point to such as moving already constructed fences or building new ones around wetlands?
7: I don't understand the the, uh, proposals to be that unreasonable. New Zealand lost 90% of our wetlands, and this is outside of national parks, about 100 years ago. Sadly, in the decade prior to the most recent report on it, we lost a 20th of what was left. We do need strict rules to stop the reclamation of estuaries.
0: And there's a paddock with about three little patches of rushes for when it's wet in the winter. Is that really a wetland? Are you going to need to require that sort of area to be fenced off if a farmer says we can't cope with that?
7: Well, this is where the devil is in the detail, but if we don't have strict rules to stop the loss of wetlands, we're going to continue to lose them because that's been our history. So if we could just rely upon the goodwill of people to do what is right, we wouldn't be in the problem that we have here.
0: The Minister's office says under the Resource Management Act definition, small areas of a few rush plants are likely to be excluded. In the budget last year, the Government allocated money to assist farmers and local authorities with some of the change they're facing. But David Parker has little sympathy with regional or district councils who say their area will be badly affected.
7: You know, we had a support package in the last budget of $219 million to help councils as well as farmers do better. Uh, So the government, central government's doing their bit. But I would point out, it is actually the job of regional councils to protect the environment. So I really, you know, if they go so far as to say we are not up for the task of protecting the environment, you have to ask yourself, are they properly doing their job?
0: The Minister wants an end to what he calls mischievous claims as to the costs of what's being proposed, and he argues that the overwhelming number of New Zealanders think it's fair that polluters clean up. He's confident about the next stage.
7: I think that we're very lucky that some of the leaders of the agricultural uh, groups like Beef and Lamb and Dairy NZ are true leaders, and that they want what I want. So I think that together we can overcome these challenges.
0: And water activist Marnie Prickett wants those in agriculture and those working for the environment to talk to each other more.
3: I think a lack of um, a lack of trust over over the last decade, as we've um, as the conversation has been very tense around um, around water pollution. So I'd like, um, you know, our environmental problems not just nationally but globally, are such that we are all going to have to work on this.
0: And while consternation has been expressed in rural parts of the country, the focus is not just on the rural sector, but urban fresh waterways like this one.
3: So there's definitely work to do in our urban urban areas and, um, and that's just as great a challenge as in our rural areas that we'll have to meet.
0: As we sit next to an urban stream with a no drinking sign by it.
3: Exactly, yes, exactly and which, which kids want to play in. You know, we're, we're sitting down here surrounded by, by kids who, who, like all other kids, want to get into that river. They want to pick up the stones, they want to splash in it. So it's up to us to look after those places so they can play in them.
0: The panel looking at the submissions, along with the ministries involved, are due to report back in April, and David Parker expects Cabinet decisions will be made public towards the middle of this year. That programme was written and presented by me, Philippa Tolley. To make sure you don't miss any Insight, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen online on the Insight webpage, rnz.co.nz forward slash Insight. Next week on Insight, Katie Scotcher dives into the free speech versus hate speech debate. But for now, that's all from Insight. Great to have you listening. Ka kite anō.